Over the last week or so, I have talked about this week's guest and mentioned that I am more excited about this guest than I have ever been about (laughs) any of my guests. And that is saying a lot. I've had some really great, amazing people on this podcast. But I hope that you will forgive me for saying that and not hold too much of a grudge when you find out that today's guest is my son, Oliver. Oliver's birthday is this week, and I thought that it would be not only fun maybe for you to get a little (laughs) insight into my family life and an insight from him, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, but also truly really fun for me to capture a little bit of a window into this time. He and I have some really amazing conversations. It is such a joy for those of you who either have older kids or have developed relationships with teenagers over the years. They are challenging in so many ways, but also incredibly interesting. It is just amazing to watch my little boy turn into someone with such incredible insight and depth of thought and character. And our time over the past year while he's been home, you know, not going to school or anything else, has been likewise challenging, but also really wonderful in that I feel like it has brought us closer together and given us space and time for some of these conversations. So To make this not entirely about (laughs) me and him just chatting, which wouldn't necessarily be of any real value to you, I thought that I could bring him on the show specifically to talk about his experience as the child of an entrepreneur. Whether or not you have kids, I think that all of us, as people who work in jobs where we have to be really mindful of how our work sort of bleeds into our personal time and how we manage that relationship and and that process, I think many of us worry about the impact that our work has on the people that we care about. And if you have kids specifically on them and whether, you know, the way that they see you work and interact with your job and all that sort of stuff, whether that's going to be a positive role model for them or, or perhaps a negative role model. I mean, I personally have stressed at times that people and my kids in particular might, you know, look back on their mom and the way that I worked when they were kids as, you know, my mom was a workaholic and she was busy all the time. And so when I sat, when I asked Oliver about being on the podcast this week, I said, I told him that this was my ideas, that I would interview him about his experience. And, and I asked him to just be really honest and not worry about hurting my feelings or couching the truth or anything like that. So so this is an unedited conversation that you're getting, and I had a lot of fun recording it, and I hope that you enjoy listening to it. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Hi, Oliver. I am super excited to have you here today. I'm excited to be here. I told everybody last week in my newsletter that, and I left some room for excitement, but I said, I'm 
I'm more excited about next week's guest than I've ever been before. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> flattering. Aw. Well, I'm excited to, to have this conversation, and it, it just kind of, like, came to me one night, number one, because you and I recently have had a lot of sort of longer chats. I think you're old enough now where you're kind of more aware of not just sort of your own feelings, but of other people's feelings. And you do more thinking about the way that you're thinking. And I think you're a really insightful person. And so many of the people who listen to my podcast also have children and they're running a business. And a lot of them have kids who are younger than you and your brother are. Yeah. And I feel like you may be nervous, but I'm a little nervous too. Because what I really want from this conversation is for you to share your feelings about what it's like to be a teenager, my teenager, the teenage son of, you know, someone who works for themselves, yeah. works a lot, and and just sort of share that experience. Because I think that people, you know, we all question the things that we do. Aaron, my friend Aaron, often says that everyone, every mom has mom guilt. The minute that you have a child, you have a certain amount of mom guilt. Where you have it is different, right? Yeah, like if, right. if you work, you worry that you work, you feel guilty because you're working too much. And if you don't work outside the home, you feel guilty because maybe you're not setting the right example for your kids or whatever the yeah. case is, like everybody has some amount of that. Well, as entrepreneurs, I think a lot of us worry that we are, you know, it's hard not to let work bleed into life when you work from home and just sort of have to be a one person show. So I hear a lot of stress about work-life balance and being there for your kids and all that sort of thing. And, and so I figure I could bring in the expert and that's you. Yay. So let's start off by you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are. I know, but. Okay. Well, I'm Oliver. I am Miss Tonkin's son. <laughs> I think everybody here calls me Anami. I'm Anami's son. I am in ninth grade at Chabot High School, and we are completely virtual in school this year and will be for the foreseeable future. So I am at home and around my mom a lot, about <laughs> half my time. Yeah. So, yeah. And the inspiration for recording this this week is that this is your birthday week, yeah. which is very exciting. Happy birthday. Thank How you. old will you be turning? I'm going to be 15. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I needed that. So yeah, let's actually start out by talking a little bit about your experience over the last, it's almost been a full year now of being home from school and not being able to, I mean, it's a rough age to be unable to go out and socialize with your friends. Yeah. It really sucks to not be able to do that, to not be able to have that freedom to, you know, branch out and do my own thing. But I'm able to spend quality time with my family. I've gotten really close with my mom and my brother, and it's been really awesome to have that opportunity. So I guess the pros and cons kind of balance each other out. Do you think it'll be weird, assuming that you can go back to school starting at some point next year? Do you think it'll be weird starting high school and kind of in 10th grade? 
Yeah, I mean, I hope it doesn't feel too much like ninth grade over again. Mm-hmm. But it'll definitely be interesting because I've missed out on being the youngest in school. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of nice, but yeah. I haven't had that. You'll just like yeah, exactly. slip on by the right. freshman experience. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a strange thing. I mean, you're my oldest child, and so I've never had a high schooler before now. And so I have a high schooler, but he's at home all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. I mean, at first, it's so funny because I remember when we first, when school was first shut down, they said, we're closing the school for three weeks. And one of those weeks was already scheduled to be spring break. So we were already kind of like prepared for that. But I was like, three weeks? How in the world are we yeah. going to manage this? This is going to be terrible. Yeah, no, you'd like set up schedules and stuff for our day so we wouldn't be like <laughs> completely, you know, twiddling our thumbs all day. Right, right. Because they weren't even trying to do virtual school. Right. It was just like canceled yeah. school. Do you remember anything about what those uh, schedules were like? So it was like, you know, you wake up, you have breakfast before nine, and then from nine to ten, you help around the house. And then from, you know, 10 to 11, it'll be like reading time or something like that. And then 11 to 12 is lunch. And then you have like your phone time and, you know, computer time and homework time, even though, you know, the teachers weren't right. assigning any homework or anything. It was like, yeah, it was academic time, academic right? Academic time. That was right. That was <laughs> it. Oh, so you bought us like one year ago, me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, we've come a long way from that. I mean, that only lasted a few weeks before it was like, whatever. What was your interpretation of how, was I trying to be strict about that? About keeping it in place or like setting it up in the first place? Both. So, I mean, yeah, you had this idea and Judah actually came upstairs and was like, mommy's going to do this thing for us. She's going to set up a schedule. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't realize how annoying that was going to be until the next morning when she told us about it. So she was pretty intent on setting it up. And then once we had it, she was very about, she was like avid about keeping us on it. And then after like three or four weeks, she was like, whatever. I'm pretty schedule driven for myself, Yeah, which I think was probably the impetus for that. I was like, you know, part of it was I was trying to avoid it just turning into an all day, every day TV right. and phone you know, free for all. Right. And I wanted to give you some structure because I needed to work. So I wanted you to have that like accountability. Yeah. But yeah, trying to keep up with it. I, I painted myself into a corner with that. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it was just, <laughs> it was interesting because they said it was virtual school, but we were basically out of school. Right. I, you know, they didn't even hold live meetings. After those three weeks, After they were trying weeks. to do, right. yeah, virtual school. Right. So I didn't even... You know, I didn't have anything to do. Right. It was all pass or fail. Right. So it was like I turn in my thing and I get 100% no matter how, like, how well I did on the on the work. Mm-hmm. So from March through August, I wasn't really doing school. So it was just sitting at home mm-hmm. doing nothing. Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Are you feeling stuck in your photography business? If you're bogged down or burned out or unsure what the next right step is, you're not alone. 
I've been there and I know firsthand that quicksand feeling where the harder you struggle, the more stuck you feel, which is why I created the Photographer's Business Plan Glow Up. The Glow Up is a five-part workshop designed specifically for photographers like you. In the Glow Up, I lead you step-by-step through a process that will help you clarify your goals, identify the sticking points that are holding you back, get inspired by some of the systems and strategies that are working today in the photography industry, and then create a completely custom roadmap to take you from where you are now to where you want to be. It truly is a glow up for your business. Getting perspective can be nearly impossible when you've got your nose to the grindstone day in and day out. So this short workshop is an opportunity to reset, reevaluate, and rejuvenate your business, and it's all on demand. If that sounds like exactly what you need right now, click the link in the show notes or go to go.thiscan'tbethathard.com slash glow to get started today. Yeah. And then ninth grade started in August, all virtual. Yeah. And they seem to have a much better kind of plan yeah, ready. Yeah, they had like, you know, half a year to decide how they wanted to do it. And I think, I mean, I think they did pretty well with what they were given. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they've been working hard for sure. Definitely. Did, do you feel like this year has been, do you feel like you've learned things beyond just the academics in terms of sort of, I feel like more than you would have had to at school, it seems to me like you've had to be pretty self-disciplined about managing your time and things like that. I've learned how to be bored, which is, you know, I, I'm told that's a really good life skill to have. I think it is. So I've learned how to sit and do nothing and be at least neutral about it, if not, you know, positive. So it's been, it's been a learning experience for sure. And I think that, you know, I wish the timing were different. Mm -hmm. I just started high school. It kind of sucks, but it's a good, there, I mean, there are good lessons to learn from this. If you had to pick an age for this to have happened, and let's say it's one year, what age or what grade do you think would be the best or the easiest? I'm going to say... Any age. It could be okay. younger, older, whatever. I'm going to say seventh grade. Okay. Because, let's see, I was 12 and 13 mm-hmm. in seventh grade. And I think that, you know, you're you're in the middle of middle school. Mm-hmm. Everyone's favorite time. Everyone's favorite time, <laughs> definitely. And I think that, you know, seventh grade was definitely the easiest middle school year. I hated it. I didn't like seventh grade at all. But I think that doing that from home, it would be like, be like a good age to leave a gap. Yeah. Yeah, I think based on my in- interpretation of your seventh grade experience, that probably would have been the nicest year to not have to be in the middle of it. Yeah. Middle school kids are rough. Yeah. Yeah. Middle school is the worst. <laughs> I never went to middle school. My school was so small. It was just K through seven and then eight through 12. Consider yourself lucky. That's what I hear. Well, Over the course of this past year, because you've been home, like you said, you've really had an opportunity to sort of see more of my day to day, because especially 
it wasn't even just school. When you guys were in school, you were also then doing like after school activities right. and that sort of thing. So I often saw you first thing in the morning and then you got home in time for dinner. Yeah. So you really didn't see me in the middle of my work day almost at all. Yeah. So tell me That's a little true. bit about what my work day looks like from your perspective. I've exaggerated it in my mind where <laughs> I tell people that like my mom works from four in the morning to <laughs> two in the morning. So, but it, that, I mean, yeah, it, it's really impressive, honestly, how you're <laughs> able to sit down and do this because I get distracted after 20 minutes of doing work, but you get up earlier than me, even on days when I have school and you're working for an hour before I even wake up and then you're working all through the day, but it, it's pretty flexible. It seems like unless you have something really like eating up your time you can you can take breaks you can whatever you you go and you change where you work you stand up and work you sit down and work but you do do a lot of work and then we have dinner around 6 or 6 30 every night and then you work probably another couple hours after dinner not always not always no <laughs> no <laughs> oh gosh definitely not always definitely not always <laughs> You, I want, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to edit this, but it's, it's actually something that I am trying to take more control over in my own life. So yeah, it's a little painful to hear that called out. <laughs> like, no, I don't work all the time, but I probably, I, I can certainly see how that would be the perception. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like, how should I say it? Like a hundred percent focus on work all day long. Mm-hmm. From like sunrise to sunset, it's like it's patchy. You you work and then you take a little bit of break and you work, you take a little bit of break, but it's not. So it's not like a hundred percent, basically. Right, and we live in a relatively small house, yeah. and I don't have like a closed off office. I have my yeah. I have I sit at the dining room table and I sit in my corner chair yeah. in my bedroom and I sit, you know, on the couch downstairs. It seems pretty relaxing, honestly. It is. Yeah. And I like, in some ways I like that. There are days when I wish I had a dedicated office, but, but like you and Judah, you know, come in not yeah. infrequently <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to ask about everything and anything. Do you feel like when you need my attention, you get it? Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, I think that the kind of work that you do, it's usually the kind of thing where, like, if something comes up, you can put it down and find a, you can relatively easy, easily find a stopping point mm -hmm. to just, you know, set it down for five, ten minutes, which is really cool. It's, I, I admire that a lot, and I'd like to figure out how to do that so I can not have to, you know be afraid of deadlines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were talking before about like, I'm a scheduled person. I'm also like a, I self-impose deadlines. Yeah. And sometimes in the midst of them, I'm like, I've gone too far. So it sounds like the flexible work schedule and hours and things are what you would call the benefits of my job. Do you see any other benefits of my job? I mean, you look like you have a lot of fun with it too so i mean it seems like you know you love photography 
And so you did that for a while and you're still doing that obviously, but, but you seem to love teaching and, you know, setting up these courses and setting up the, the blueprint and the, everything that you sell. And it seems like you have a lot of fun doing it. So I think that that's a fantastic takeaway from that. Yeah. You have flexible hours doing something you love. Yeah. Which seems like awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you use to sell it. And then you do a lot of work. What would you say are the sort of downsides of my job? How much you do work. It seems all, you know, it's all on your computer. Mm -hmm. So that might be a downside, you know, having to stare at a computer all day and then have Judah or me or both of us push to watch a movie later at night. Mm -hmm. And then so it's just screen, screen, screen. But I mean, I guess another downside would be like sitting all day. But you are really good at striking a balance. And setting up, you know, like 50-50 your time. It's awesome. Well, thanks. I guess the only downside is be like how much you work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, given all of that, but also the fact that you are your own person here on the cusp of turning 15, what is your thought for what you think you might want to be when you... Are an adult. I want to... I should say what you want to do to earn a living. To earn a living? What you yeah. are, is aside right. from that. But. So I'm going to say, just because I've been thinking about it recently, that I want to do therapy and for teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I want to I wanna set up my own practice so I can be in charge. I don't know about like a, like an individual practice, but and maybe maybe like set up a thing with some other people. And we can all work. Like a joint yeah, practice exactly. with other therapists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something like that for teenagers, for young adults. To help them with just sort of the day-to-day stresses and yeah, issues and that come more. up. So like, you know, day-to-day stresses and long, long time trauma or things, negative mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so that sounds to me when you talk about setting up your own practice, that is an entrepreneurial kind of a venture. Yeah. Do you feel like you you have learned or seen things that I have demonstrated that you would say, yep, this is, what am I trying to get out here? My question is, um, like what kind of things have I seen you do that? I can take it. Yeah, like how how has my job influenced that decision or has it? Maybe it hasn't. They're pretty different. I don't know that like looking at your job, it helped, like gave me influence or whatever Mm -hmm. for me to pick that. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the way that you do your work. You know, you get it done. You sit down and just do it. Eat the frog, which is, I mean... For so many different things, that's a fantastic way to go about doing things. And especially when you're starting your own business or trying to set up your own 
thing, like a practice, like a therapy practice, it it's a great way to base your work. Yeah. Well, whether you're in school or you're an adult and you have a job, I mean, there are parts of what your responsibilities are that you're going to enjoy and there are parts that you're not going to enjoy. The nice thing when you're an adult is that you can get rid of some of the things you don't enjoy by paying somebody else to do them. Whereas right now you are stuck doing all the schoolwork, (laughs) whether you want to or not. But yeah, it is for sure. No matter how many things you offload, certain things are just got to get them done. Yeah. And it's, I mean, put, put working in the future aside, just seeing the way that you do your work, you know, like I said, getting it all done, sitting down and making that your priority. I've, definitely taking that into account when doing my schoolwork and stuff it's it's a lot harder than it seems Mm -hmm. it's impressive how you do it oh thanks yeah so let's talk about the things that i haven't done well or that you think i could do better as a parent historically or now as Other parent, than giving you more screen time. As a, as a parent? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and again, the people who are listening to this are parents, most of them of younger kids. Yeah. Um, not all of them are parents, but I have mm. a lot. Yeah. And, and I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would have liked to have heard from someone in your position when you were a bit younger. Yeah. So... The the things that you, the things that you should do better, or yeah. like you think I think you should do better. I don't want you to worry about what I think. Okay. I want you to tell me in your experience as a kid of a mom. Yeah. <laughs> how you know the the mistakes that I've made or the things that I could have done better, and well, so I mean personally, yeah, I think that. As much as I know that it's not, like, you know, the best idea to let your kid do whatever they want to do, it's mm-hmm. like, I do wish I had more freedom to do some of the things that I would like to do. And put COVID aside, like, that just <laughs> kind of stops everything. You know, like, I'm sure that I would have more independence and freedom to do, uh, like, to go out and hang out with people if COVID weren't, you know, present but yeah, I think that having the so so in my experience, mm-hmm. having restrictions put in place, it makes me feel younger mm-hmm. and it makes me feel like less mature and not as independent, mm-hmm. which is obviously what I'm what I want, what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. So to have restrictions like taking my phone at night and not being able to go out and hang out with friends for any particular reason it feels like a you know it feels like you're not old enough you're not mature enough you're not you're not smart enough you're not you know things like that yeah so yeah i don't know i feel like that that's a pretty big umbrella for different things you know like that could branch out into different i could be i could be more specific Well, what, so you're talking about you present day, 
Yeah. At what age do you feel like parents should stop imposing those kinds of restrictions? As long as, you know... I mean, you have an 11-year-old brother. I have an 11-year-old brother. I would not trust him to do anything. (laughs) So... (laughs) I'd say probably stay pretty harsh on him, but... Oh, yes, very good. Let me go, for sure. No, I say that you start... I mean, I'm going to be 15 in two days where I feel like I'm actually kind of getting into the teenager Mm -hmm. feel. You know, when you're 13, you're not really a teenager. Like, you're a teenager, Mm -hmm. technically, but it doesn't doesn't feel like you're a teenager. So, I think that, yeah, at 14 or 15, even later, just start, like, kind of loosening the knot, the, the tie. I feel like that's not a very good analogy. No, no. I mean, it is. <laughs> or metaphor. Although I do feel like, from my perspective, I've, I feel like I have loosened those oh, oh, restrictions. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, let's see. When I was like 12 and 13, the, I mean, the restrictions were so much harsher mm-hmm. than they are right now. So I'm very glad that they've loosened. In retrospect, do you think that there were any benefits to having those, especially, I feel like a lot of what we're talking about right now has to do with screen time and phone restrictions, right? Yeah. Do you feel like kids, when they're given, what what age do you think is the right age to give a kid a smart? Well, let's see. I So I'd say middle school, sixth or seventh grade, say seventh grade, you give them like a data plan and ability to do what they want with it you know mm-hmm. and they should just have sort of unfettered access you think i don't know i think i think it's you know it's it's very it depends right it depends on what kind of kid you're giving a smartphone to yeah so you know if you know that they won't let it get in the way of the things that they have to do like school then i think that and I, I definitely think that if you can give them the opportunity to show you that they can do it, mm-hmm. because they, they're going to say that they can do it. You know, they're going to be like, no, I can do it. I can do it. Please give me my phone. I'll, I'll get my work done. Mm-hmm. I will. It'll be good. I'll show you. But if you really give them that chance to show you and you give them a long time to do it, I think because, you know, when you're given a new privilege Mm -hmm. a new thing like you hand me a phone for the first time i'm gonna be super excited and i'm gonna like my screen time is gonna go to very high Mm -hmm. and then i think after the novelty wears off it'll you know my schoolwork and my things that i have to do and my phone they'll come into a balance and Mm -hmm. i'll make it work and I think if, if if you give your kids the opportunity to show you that they can find that balance, you go from there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I Like, I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's absolutely right. That's reasonable. But I know about myself that I do have a hard time being like, here are the keys. Yeah. Go for it. I think about those parents who when their kids get back from trick-or-treating, they're just like, you can eat as much candy as you want tonight. 
Mm-hmm. And the kids, you know, make themselves sick exactly. and whatever. Exactly. And they maybe they learn their lesson. I've never been that parent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Yeah. Um, I feel like, like okay, that's a good that's yeah. a good thing to base it off of, right? You know, <laughs> you your kid comes back from trick or treating, and you're like, okay, okay, you can eat as much candy as you want, and if you get sick, that'll be on you. Yeah. That'll be, you know, I gave you the limits to eat. Or I gave you the, you know, no restrictions. Eat as much as you want. And if you make yourself sick, that's on you. That's not my problem. Don't make yourself too sick where we have to take you to the hospital. Right. But then tomorrow, you'll know not to eat that much. And then the next day and the next day and the next day, and it'll start to be like, a you know, one or two pieces a day. Mm-hmm. Because you'll have had that experience of like, <laughs> of like almost getting your stomach pumped. Right. So you don't want that. Yeah. But if you give, if you give your kid the opportunity to make that mistake, that's the best way that they'll learn from it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think as parents, it's hard. It's hard to watch your kids suffer. And, you know, obviously when it comes to things like screen time or hanging out with friends, the suffering is not as acute as a stomach ache, yeah, right? right? Like, you know, slowly your grades suffer or, you know, maybe your self-esteem starts to go down because yeah. you're spending a lot of time in the, I wish I had that culture. Right, social media yeah. experience. Yeah. So it is, it's hard, but at the same time, you know, I am <laughs> acutely aware of the fact that in a few short years, you'll be out of the house managing all this stuff on your own so yeah. it is important for you to be learning how to self-regulate and yeah, manage that stuff definitely and i think that just recently my restrictions have started to go down a little mm-hmm. bit i think but yeah they're definitely still they're still here mm-hmm. and they will be i know until i'm out of the house mm-hmm. so you know there there will be rules that i'm just gonna have to you know Suck it up and follow them. Um, well, I'm looking at my list of these questions that I put together, which were really very last minute. I just wanted kind of your input on the whole thing. If you could give advice, as you can, to other parents who are, you know, work from home entrepreneur types on behalf of their kids, what would you, and it doesn't have to be about work or like work hours. Okay. Just in general, what do you think, what advice would you give? Well, okay. So from experience, Mm -hmm. I completely lost what I was about to say. (laughs) Um, You take after your mama that way. So I think that when, as a kid, you're not given the opportunity to prove your, prove yourself, prove that you can do what you say you're going to do, it feels, it hurts. It Mm -hmm. feels like you're not, you know, I mean, it feels like what it is. You're not given the opportunity to prove yourself. Another thing that I would say is that when your kid is like, says something like, everybody else does this thing, everybody else is doing this thing. That is really how we feel. We know, we know, of course, that it's not everybody going into this thing. It's not everybody that has this thing. Mm-hmm. But the feeling of 
missing out on mm-hmm. something, on having something, on going to something, it's a pretty awful feeling. Mm-hmm. Especially with the ability to log on to your phone and see what everybody else is doing. You know, don't take that the wrong way. That's not the kind of thing that's like, well, take away their phone so they can't see. Because that's just, it's even worse. And, yeah. And when, you know, you have your phone taken at night, it's like, it's like everything that people that you could talk to, people that, you know, a conversation you could have, it's not even, you're not going to have that conversation. You're not going to talk to that person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a hard stop on things that you want to do, things that would be nice to do. So what advice would you give parents around that? When, I'd say when, when your child asks for something, as ridiculous as it may seem, like, it, it <laughs> Okay, so when I was in elementary school, there were there were, things would go in and out of popularity. Like there was that rainbow loom thing, mm-hmm. like the rubber band yeah. bracelets. There were the stuffed animals that everybody was crazy about. And when I came home, the first day I heard about those, and I was like, I need this thing, mm-hmm. right? I need the stuffed animal or whatever. It was like, you don't need it. You don't need it. You don't. <laughs> I doubt you even want it. You just want it because everybody else yeah. or other people have it and it seems cool. But when you're not given the opportunity to like have that thing and be that person that people are like, now I want this thing. Mm-hmm. It feels like feels like you're always following the group and not leading or not like setting an example which is a really cool feeling to have as a teenager the feeling of like being the example so I don't want to say like don't put restrictions on your kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's not realistic at all but listen to your kid listen to what they have to say and make decisions based on that Mm mm-hmm Do you ever think that maybe part of the fact that you are, that you sometimes feel like you're kind of late to the party when it comes to things like rainbow loom? Right, right. (laughs) What were those stuffed animals with the big eyes? Like beanie babies? Beanie, yeah, right. But they were something, it was an offshoot of the beanie baby thing. I sometimes think that that might be an oldest child thing. I remember feeling that way too, but it's like I never would have known to start that trend. And I felt like the kids who were usually the ones who started it were getting it from their older siblings. Yeah. But it didn't really, that didn't really occur to me until much later down the road. So you and I have that in common that we're the oldest and and that comes with its own burden. But then Judah gets to learn all the cool stuff from his big brother. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, what advice would you give parents that's more specific to the fact that they are working a job where, you know, they might 
need to work on weekends and that sort of thing. Again, I'd say listen to your kid and see what they have going on and make time, depending on their schedule, make time to spend time with them because we do appreciate it Mm -hmm. a lot. We like, you know, we like being the center of attention. We like having that feeling of like, oh, I'm making time for you. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you can carve that time out of your day, whether it be 20, 30 minutes or a couple hours Mm -hmm. to spend some quality time, then it's awesome. It feels, it feels great. Yeah. And then as, as they get older, the, the kids, as your kids get older, they'll want to, you know. They'll still want to spend time with you, of Mm -hmm. course, but to be able to go out and hang out with friends, to be able to do these things, it feels, it feels great. Mm -hmm. So when you can listen to your kid, find out their schedule, and if last minute things come up, you can do that, you know, two to three or however long you can spend time with your kid, you do that a little bit later. Mm Mm-hmm. After your kid's done with their thing. Mm -hmm. Because, like, seriously, things will come up out of nowhere and be like, hey, I'm going to go across town and hang out. We just made this plan five minutes ago. Like, it's it's just the way things are now. It's kind of cool to be able to do that where you don't have to, like, plan everything in in advance. Mm -hmm. But I understand how that makes it hard for parents to uh-huh. yeah oh gosh i was something that you raised made me we're doing we're both doing the same thing yeah. forgetting well all of that is it's really great it's really good to have this inside oh i know what i was going to ask are there any <laughs> specific things about having a parent who is a photographer that is either cool or not cool so just recently my mom photographed my friend my friend's family and it was kind of it felt kind of awkward because <laughs> you were going over there and like you know they have a young child who you were probably like making funny faces at to try and get to smile so it was it was kind of like oh i hope she's not you know making a fool out of me which is <laughs> ridiculous because you're just doing your job but that is completely overshadowed by the fact that having a photographer as a parent is awesome you know you get to see the it's art i mean you get to see the art that your parent makes and i like having my photo taken (laughs) and so you know having good photos well recently myself was awesome because they couldn't do the normal school picture thing they had sent out an email saying you know you can submit a photo it has to meet these specifications so you and i just went into the backyard and i snapped a few photos and while we were out there you were like (laughs) the yearbook is gonna be like (laughs) phone photo phone photo phone photo and then me and i'm gonna look awesome and then (laughs) (laughs) which made me laugh it gave me the warm fuzzies on the inside but back to the story about your friend whose family i was photographing and I had never photographed, or yeah. no, I did. I photographed her years and years ago before you knew her. And I mean, she was, this is when you guys were like eight or something. Yeah. So anyway, so now she's somebody that you go to school with and all this. How did that end up going like after the fact? Did she say anything to she you She actually about it? really enjoyed the shoot, actually. She, I was like, 
was like, is she being super weird? Uh, I didn't like say it like that. I don't remember exactly what I said, but she was like, no, it was actually really fun. And apparently she had a great time Good. doing it. So that's a sweet family. Yeah. Giant family. Giant family. Well, like I started saying before, I'm just, you cannot imagine how tickled I am to have you yeah. on the show. And I don't know whether anybody else has listened to the end because maybe this is just a conversation for me and you. I don't doubt that they will have gotten lots out of it. And I certainly get a lot out of it. I, yeah. I always appreciate chatting with you and getting your insight on things. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you, Baba. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.